0: Hey everybody, it's Chris Gilmore here from The Changing World Show and uh, I'm re-recording episode two right now about the 72-hour knife-only survival quest that I'm helping facilitate right now. Uh, Unfortunately, yesterday's episode got erased. I didn't move it over to an episode quickly enough. So here we go. I'm going to just do that one again and then I'm going to record another episode with a couple updates as to where we're at. So we've got uh, five people that are out on a 72-hour survival challenge, and they originally headed out with two litres of water and only a knife into the woods of central Ontario, Canada, near the edges of Algonquin Park. And I've been helping kind of facilitate that experience. I didn't check on them at all for the first 48 hours. And um, yesterday, I went out and checked on them. But I'm going to get to that in the next episode and what uh, what lessons kind of came out from the first check-in. What I wanted to share is the lessons that have been coming up for me as I go through this experience as well, being the one facilitating it. So I decided that I was going to do a fast while the people were out on this quest, meaning I was not going to eat any water or sorry, not eat any food for uh, the four days so the entire time that they are out there and I started 24 hours before the crew went out so they're going 72 hours without eating anything or having to harvest their food from the land and I was gonna start 24 hours before they started their 72 hours quest so that I was um, yeah that I was kind of in solidarity with them and what was really interesting that came up for me is uh, day one I was back at my house and multiple times throughout the day, there must have been a dozen times that I impulsively went to open the cupboard to go get some food out of it. And it's kind of funny, the mental game that starts coming up in this challenge, because my first instinct was, um, I should go and uh, are, they're not going to start fasting till tomorrow. Why don't I just wait till tomorrow? There's no reason for me to be fasting today when they're not coming till tomorrow, the conditions for the perfect fast start tomorrow so why don't I just eat some of this food right now fulfill this immediate need I'm feeling because my belly was kind of growling and rumbling a little bit and then I tell myself wait a minute what are you doing you can't do this and then sure enough I'd kind of forget about it for a little bit and then an hour would go by and I would go and open the cupboard not even realizing that I was looking for food you know I just instinctively open the cupboard I'd remember I was fasting Uh, and again I would challenge myself mentally and be like oh why are you fasting today like why are you doing this why don't you just wait till tomorrow you could just eat right now there's no big deal And it got me really thinking about this question, you know, why do we do something like a survival quest to begin with? Why would we fast for a day, two days, four days to begin with? And one of the reasons for me is because of the way that it builds mental fortitude and willpower that can be transferred into any ever absolutely any part of our life. I believe in, you know, setting really high goals for myself. And I believe in actually accomplishing them and working hard to do that. And what I got thinking about is how often in life, do we say, oh, the perfect conditions will be here tomorrow. So even though I said I was going to start, stop quitting smoking today, or I was going to quit drinking for a month today, or I was going to start eating better today, or I was going to start a new business today, or I was going to have that difficult conversation today. And then we come up with an excuse and we say, well, today's not really the right way because of this, this, and this. So I'm going to do it tomorrow. And we can do that over and over again until that original idea that we knew was important just kind of disappears and fades into the background. So why do I choose to fast? Why do I choose to do a survival quest like this to begin with? It's to build that willpower, you know, and doing experiences like this actually teach us about uh, the excuses that we make up. It teaches us about our perceptions. It also teaches us about needs because that was three days ago when I was going through that dilemma. It is now um, day four of me going without any food. And on day four, I'm not thinking about food at all. I actually have a ton of energy. I feel clear headed. I've been working long days. I've been working 12 to 14 hours a day out in the woods, just making sure these people are safe and then coming back to my house and checking in on things. Uh, Yesterday, I had to go out on a, a short search and rescue mission. And I did all of that without any food. And here we are, day four, I actually feel fine. So it's also amazing teacher of what a mental crutch food is for us. How often, how much does food influence your decisions on a day to day basis and what a powerful thing it is to know that we can actually take food out of the equation altogether and four days in still have a ton of energy if we can get over that hurdle mentally. So I just love these amazing deeper lessons that come from doing something like a fast or a survival quest. So hopefully you enjoyed those, those little insights coming from me. And in the next episode, I'll chat about my first check in 48 hours into the survival quest and how the crew's doing. Take care, everybody. Chris Gilmore from a uh, changing world show and changing world project signing off. Cheers. Hey, what's up for everybody? It's Chris Gilmore signing back in here on Anchor.fm. And this is the Changing World Show. And it's Chris from changingworldproject.com. And this is part three of lessons from a 72-hour knife-only survival quest. If you missed what this challenge is all about or what's going on, go back and watch the part one, which is in under my episodes on Anchor.fm. But the gist of it is we have five people out in the woods right now in central Ontario, Canada, that are on a 72-hour wilderness survival quest. Uh, I've been helping facilitate them and this is a a group of students that I've been working with over quite a number of years uh, now and they've gone out to kind of take their skills to the next level and really develop their character as a human and their leadership skills and their connection with the earth and with the land. So there's quite a few different goals that we have in sending them out on the land on this quest. Yesterday I went out to check on them for the first time and they had been out there for 48 hours at that point. And it was really interesting to see, uh, see what I said. I went in and basically did an individual check because they're all doing the solo. So I went in and checked with each group individually. And I'm going to share a little bit about my journey checking in and some of the lessons again that were coming up for people out there and coming up for me. So the whole adventure started off really interesting in that I went to go find the first person and I had an idea of where they were setting up camp. I didn't know exactly where it was supposed to be. I got there and I found their stick and the backup emergency gear. And they had not touched it. But what was interesting on top of that is if they needed to use any of their emergency gear, they were supposed to carve a notch in the stick. And I was completely anticipating out of this group that some of them were going to have to carve a couple notches in, especially in the first day or two when they were getting started. So I got out there, no notches are in the stick and the sleeping bag hadn't been used and that was interesting because it dropped down to about three degrees Celsius the last two nights in a row and. I'm thinking, okay, cool. That's pretty impressive that they spent the night out without a sleeping bag, dropping down to almost freezing two nights in a row. And the one that worried me a little bit is that there was the two liter water bottle that they started their quest was there in the circle and it was pretty much full. So that got me a little bit concerned. Cool. They're either doing really good at this point or something's wrong. So I started to think about this a little bit and I thought okay my next step of action is going to be to go check in with another participant that was set up fairly close to this person. I walked over and checked in with them and sure enough they hadn't seen this person in the 48 hours and this got me a little more concerned now because I'm like well they should have at least heard each other breaking sticks, maybe crossed each other's paths. So the next step was to go back and start doing some tracking and see if I could find any sign of their presence in the area after probably 20-30 minutes of tracking, I came across a shelter that was about maybe a third of the way built. It looked like they'd spent about two hours building the shelter and then they just abandoned it. And now I'm thinking, okay, this definitely isn't a good sign. Because originally I was thinking, cool, they're either thriving or they're not doing well at all. And what the result of this was is that they are, um, what, or what this track of this unbuilt and unfinished shelter is pretty much saying that It's now becoming more likely or I have more evidence to suggest that they're potentially not doing very well at all. So in my head, I started thinking, okay, what do I need to do? We've only got two hours before it gets dark. Uh, We're in a large swath of wilderness. What are my next steps as the person facilitating this? And it's my job to keep everybody safe during this. And the first thing that came up is that I've been fasting for 60 hours plus at this point. And actually probably been about 68 hours that I'd gone without food. So I wanted to make sure if I'm going to head into the woods to look for this person, I have no idea what I'm coming across. I better make sure that I'm set up to actually be in my best conditioning. So my first step was actually to go back home and I grabbed my grab and go bag, my search and rescue pack that I have that's basically set up for any emergency situation. And I filled it with some nuts and some lemonade and some fresh fruit so I'd have some sugar food. But I actually decided I wasn't going to break my fast quite yet. Uh, What I was going to do is I was going to go out and spend a half an hour searching still without having eaten anything after 68 hours. If I hadn't found anyone after uh, that half an hour, then I was going to break my fast and turn things up a notch. I also grabbed another facilitator and he went to go check in with all the other people to see if anybody else had come across this person. So by the time I went back to my house, packed up some gear and some food for myself, I headed back out there. I ran into uh, the other facilitator for the program. And he gave me an update on it. Uh, I'm about to tune out of my five minutes here. So you're going to have to tune into the the next episode, episode four, to find out what happened next in our journey. Cheers, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this. Chris Gilmore from Changing World Show and changingworldproject.com signing off. Cheers.